So the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast, this is Barnsley, back again for another week after a pretty dire round for a lot of Supercoaches, but pretty excited to talk about this round coming up because I think there's a lot happening when we're looking at Market Watch and also the matchups. We're getting pretty close to the buy, which we were talking about last week, but before we get into that, I need to introduce this week's guests. So this week, we've got Brandon Savage from the Supercoach Experience podcast with us, and fantastic podcast, Sav, so Love listening to it. It's always a lot of fun and stuff with you and Mikey and the other guys you get on. Uh, thanks for coming on board for the All-Stars to make a bit of a debut on our one. Thank you so much for having me on. I feel absolutely honoured. And uh, I guess the out podcast is a bit more fun than yours, but yours is the OG. Um, yours is the best preseason podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm just really happy to, to be on. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I jumped on to, to your one, uh, I think with you when Mikey wasn't around probably about a year ago. Uh, and that was a lot of fun for me to jump on yours. So it's good to have you on onto this one. For sure. I'm, I'm glad to get the call up. Before we get stuck in everything this week, guys, I do need to mention our partner, Top Sport. Top Sport, 100% Australian-owned bookmaker, often have best odds in market for NRL especially, have been having a blast going on the anytime try scorers with the sort of odds they've been giving for guys like Brian Toto, Mike Acevo and the like. So if you are going to gamble, do so responsibly. But if you are going to, then do so with Top Sport because you can enter a promo code when you create an account of SC All Stars, all one word. Then Top Sport will know straight away you're one of our listeners and they'll know to take care of you, which I know that they will do. And you'll get some great odds and specials on NRL stuff as well. So jump on board if you're going to have a punt. Savs, this is an exciting episode. We are going to go straight into a big market watch segment and it's a bit of a big one this week and then we're going to go into TLT but before we do that just how's your how's your season going so far since we haven't had you on the podcast oh well my season's actually going pretty good um I've had a pretty average season the last few seasons struggling with um the less buys I feel like in past times I've always constantly hit that top 1000 but since less buys have come in it's been really hard to easily crack that 1,000. So this year has been my first year that I've really uh, had a red hot crack at it. I'm ranked 250th at the moment. Um, I was ranked 150th two weeks ago, but I think I really want to put that down to aggressive trading. Um, I think I really have to save trades very soon, but um, earlier in the year when Angus Cryant was out for a week, I traded him to David Fafida. After round one, I traded Dylan Brown to um, Jerome Luai, which was a good move as well. And I've also I've made some other good trades here and there, but that's also been my downfall because I've made trades that I haven't needed to and I haven't saved a trade yet. So uh, looking forward, um, my tactic is to save a few trades and um, I guess still trade um, before everyone else trades in certain guns. Awesome. Well, uh, what do you sort of think at the moment is, I mean, we're coming up to round nine. So very, very quickly, we're like, you know, 40% of the way through the season, 35% of the way through the season, which is crazy because it feels like it just started. What do you think uh, the main, I guess, tactics at the moment are for people? Or what do you think the main strategies are? Like, do you think that people should be heavy trading, looking towards the buy or, you know, what, how, what are you sort of looking at or aiming for at the moment? 
I think it really depends how many trades you have saved at the moment. So uh, at the moment, I've saved none. So over the next two weeks, I should look at saving at least two. Whereas I know the guy coming first, Henry, he's saved three already and he's already looking at saving another one. I think he should really go hard in this period to make sure he gets a good buy side. But I've been looking at the buys for like three or four weeks now. Um, this week, my trades aren't based on the buys, um, but that's because I've already targeted by players. And one of them was Zach Lomax and he went down last week. So uh, it can really sting you if you go too early. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, it is it is something important to look at as far as keeping track of how many players you have. And I mean, me and Billy did a, a pretty large buy segment intro last week so I won't go into too much detail but uh, I wasn't even aware how many I had you know I'd sort of had a vague idea that I had I was going pretty well but obviously I've been doing trade-ins and stuff the last few weeks uh, a couple of them looking towards the buy and when I counted I actually probably have 11 if not 12 guys already Um, and that's depending on you know maybe it's 12 if I hold a guy like Paulo and he doesn't play origin because he hasn't been playing very well and things like that but yeah, if I've got 11 or even 10 at the moment, then I can afford to just about wait until we get to the buy and just do those trades then and just have a strong sort of 13 or 14. Um, and then I'm, I'm fine. So some teams might actually be in a good spot. And now's probably a good time to, I think as a tactic, have a look at this week when it's a week that a lot of teams can probably save a trade. And you can have a look and say, well, you know, if I've got 10 or 11 or something already, I probably don't need to look towards the buy too much. But if you have a look and you find that you've got four, well, that's probably a make or break week this week to decide whether you can actually compete in the buy or not. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know I've had about uh, 11 to 12 the last three weeks, but something's happened to make someone go out and come back in and just things like that. So I, th- I think, yeah, starting too early is a bit, um, as long as you're around that 9, 10, 11 mark at the moment, I think you're looking all right. And I mean, for you, you're going pretty hard at the buys. You think that's a really good um, area to catch up on. It's been something that I've always been big on as well. So I normally get some pretty good rockets at buy time because I plan pretty well for it. Uh, I, I think anybody that's sort of, especially anybody chasing, like if you're out of the top 5,000 odd, then I think it's probably mission critical for you to concentrate on the buys now. Yeah, definitely going hard for the buys. I'm ranked 250th, so I don't want to um, let the season fall behind me. Um, I think in past times I have concentrated too much on the buys, which is being my downfall. So this this fast start can really make me go harder. Yeah, I mean, you're going 250th. You're going fantastic. And I mean, if we spoke a week ago, you had been in the hundreds. You had a fantastic season. So well done, mate. Um, the other thing as well, I, I probably look at it as a tactic at the moment. I think that it's beneficial if you have already looked at the buys a little bit and you sort of do have that uh, 10 plus type of range of potential buy players. One of the things that it allows you to do right now too, and a bit of a tactic that some teams can employ is that you can afford to maybe just go for the runs that teams have from now. So, you know, for instance, there's teams like the West Tigers that have a pretty good run of games coming up. You know, for example, they've, they're obviously a buy team, but you can do it without even worrying about it. So, I mean, they've got the Titans, Newcastle, Warriors and Dragons, which isn't too bad. And then you have other teams that, like the Dragons, have one hard game in the Storm, but they also have Bulldogs, the Sharks, the Tigers and Broncos. They're obviously buy teams, but a team that's not a buy team is like the Roosters, which a lot of teams might actually go, well, you know, they don't have any buy players. Some guys might play State of Origin. Maybe I'll stay away, but 
a savvy team, and if you are if you are a team that's maybe saved three trades like Henry in first, or you're not really worried about the buys, or you're already set for the buys, probably a really good tactic at the moment. I think is to jump on sides like the Roosters. Um, so after this week, they've got Parramatta this week, but next week they've got back-to-back weeks of Cowboys and Broncos. So if you're already not having to worry about the buys. You can definitely right now, I reckon you can jump on a quick pre-origin run and go for, you know, matchups and target some of these teams' matchups. So that's probably something that I'm thinking about as well at the moment. Well, yeah, if you get someone um, who's playing the buys and scores 60 over the next few weeks, whereas someone who scores 100 100 every week for the next few weeks, that's already more points than you would score made up for that round 13. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I myself, I'm looking at that draw a little bit now because I'm not as worried about the buy. Uh, I'm also looking at saving a trade this week, so I may only do Condon out. Um, that might be my only one. What's what's your trades looking like for this week? Well, every week has been based on round 13, but this week I'm going up different because I, I really think um, I, I really want this player in, and you got this player in last week. Uh, Lomax is injured, so I've got to trade him out. Um, I'm getting him Valentine Holmes. I think he has a pretty good draw coming up and uh, I'm pretty thankful he only scored 60 because he looked a lot more dangerous than he did on the weekend. I think uh, as a fullback in the center wing area in Supercoach, it's just very valuable, isn't it? Like, uh, I feel like you traded out Laurie for Holmes, right? Yeah, that didn't work out too well for me. (laughs) I'm going to have to look at that as a bit of a longer term move. No, nah, yeah, I feel I feel like it was the right move though. It just didn't pay off on the week that you did it. Yeah, <laughs> like I th- I think uh, Holmes will repay the faith this week. Um, fullbacks averaging ninety two against the Broncos this year, so um, I think this is the week where you'll really reap the rewards from that one. Yeah, I was looking towards it, and definitely the draw came into it. Um, and I was really big on Holmes, um, and I was kind of happy enough with his 60-ish. It was just sort of that Laurie went bananas, which I didn't really see coming, that sort of made it a really bad trade for me because obviously I lost close to 60 points on that trade, uh, which really hurt because it would have ended up with a pretty good score. So, but it is one where I think the coming weeks are going to be great. He's he's a fantastic trade this week. Like he really is. I think that I'm pretty certain that he's gotten a try assist every single week and that's where his value comes from. Try assist and goal kicking. Like if you've got someone that's getting a try assist every week, goal kicking and getting the, the fullback touches that you can play at center wing, it's a no brainer. And to be honest, like you, you guys threw up something with the super coach experience. You threw up a little bit <laughs> of a, a bit of an article and a meme about, you know, getting homes and stuff in and, and everything else. I was really surprised that you didn't grab it, but you grabbed Lomax. Oh, well, I grabbed Lomax a few weeks before that. Last week uh, I, okay. I went, I went Teddy to Gutherson, which, which was a good trade in. Um, for, for one week, um, I'm not sure how it's going to go this week, but but yeah, I, I've been keen on Val Holmes for a few weeks now, and I was just death riding him that whole game. They just created so many overlaps on that left side, and like he only got one try assist. Like he he was lucky, he was unlucky not to get at least two or three more. Yeah, I think the thing with the Cowboys too, and I mean Valentine Holmes isn't somebody being traded in at the moment in Market Watch, so he's a good one to probably mention. That's what I love about it. He's not in the top ten traded in, and the week I got in Brian Toa against Manly, he wasn't in the top ten traded in either. So I feel like you got to get on these players before everyone else does. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like when you're looking at 
centering averages and like this is something that people will fall down on a little bit like people will look at valentine Holmes. it's still really impressive like he's ninth on centering averages but they're going to look at people above him and go oh these other eight guys might be better options and a lot of newer super coaches will probably do that because it's an easy way to have a look at a list and see you know who the best center wings performing wise on averages are um, and obviously brett morris is at the top and he's gone now so i guess there's seven others that are better at the moment on averages but it's it's really deceiving because Holmes didn't start at fullback, you know, and since he's been at fullback, he hasn't had a score lower than 50. Uh, and in, in his second worst score was the one on the weekend, which was, what, 60. So he's really been a 70-plus a type of guy about 80% of the time he's been at one. And, you know, 65.6 average, that's going to go up to mid-70s once you take into account when he's actually starting at fullback. And if he's there, all of a sudden you've got a top four centre wing there. And he's a top four centre wing that is in pod territory at about 9% ownership. Um, and he's also a dual and he's also got a good draw and he's just over 600,000. He's a bit expensive now, but, you know, you could have got you could have got on him very easily at 500k a few weeks ago and it would have been huge value. But even at the moment, uh, what he's producing, it's, I, I dare say he, for me, is the second best centre wing right now behind Brian Toto. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um that the eye test was the the one that sold me. It was just very scary as a non-owner watching him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking my losses and getting him in this week. Well, let's have a look at market watching in a bit more detail. So, traded outs are really boring week for it because everybody being traded outs injured. Like, what a what a terrible last few weeks it is for Supercoach as far as injuries go. Like, we've got in the top 10 most traded out, Corey Thompson, Cameron Murray. Zach Lomax, Ryan James has been dropped. Brett Morris, he's gone. Now, it's half of the traded-out guys are all in, are all injuries or not playing. Uh, New's another guy that's been on the trade-out for a while. So most of them are going out because they're not playing. Uh, and it's been a brutal year, hasn't it, Savs, lately for super coaches. I think it's really testing the depth of, of teams. A lot of teams brought in Lomax last week. Uh, a heap of guys that listened to the podcast, you know, messaged me and said, oh, I brought in Lomax last week. And... You know, they're really gutted about it. But Brett Morris has been great for pod ownership as well. And he's been the number one center wing, averaging 98.3. And all of a sudden, he's out and he's gone. And at 750K, at least those owners can sort of look at trading him to anyone. But the Brett Morris injury especially, I was gutted from a non-super coach perspective as being a, a Rooster supporter, but also a big Brett Morris fan. That was terrible to see. Very sad, isn't it? Uh, I feel like ending your career like that, like I, I don't want to say it's ended, but by all reports, it, it looks all but done. But yeah, very sad for him. Yeah, I've said before, like I'm, I've always been kind of surprised, a little bit of a segue away from Supercoach, but I've always been kind of surprised. There's always polls on NRL.com and Fox Sports and stuff, you know, best best winger of the NRL era, best winger of, you know, the last decade, things like that. And Brent Morris never wins. Like, he never goes to the grand finals and stuff. you got guys like um, Hazem or Masri, and sometimes they allow people like, you know, that are wingers and stuff to be in there as well. But Brent Morris always seems to be, you know, the afterthought, the third, fourth type of ranked winger and stuff. Whereas it, for me, like in my lifetime, I'd say that Brett Morris is the best winger I've ever watched. I think he's been the most professional, the most complete winger I've ever seen. He was good defensively. He was a great attacking player. He was a great finisher. He was fast. He had good ball skills, great footy IQ. It, he did everything. Like, And I don't think that I've seen a winger ever be such a great all-round winger 
and a guy that could also push to fullback, push to centre or whatever and be just as effective. Like, it, it's it's a bit of a <laughs> bit memorialising uh, his career, but, you know, it might still keep going, but I think it's done. But he's, I think he's been actually underrated for his career for me. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think he's, um, when he was at his peak with Origin, he was always chosen for his defence, but... Look at where he sits on the try tally, 180 tries for his career. Like for someone who can defend so well and score so many tries, yeah, it's just the complete package. That's all you ask for. The other guys that are a little bit more controversial, I guess, out of the, out of the traded out, Charlie Staines has been going out heaps. He's 300K. I'm going to ask your opinion on this because you're a Panthers fan, mate. Um, no, I'm Manly fan. Oh, Manly fan. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jeez. I don't get that. Is Mikey a Panthers fan? Yeah, Mikey's a Panthers yeah, fan. Yeah, right. Okay. That's why I got mixed up. Well, yep. you can talk on behalf of Mikey here. Sorry, I, 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 I live in the Penrith area and I, I hear about them all the time. So I, I guess I'm the next best option. Well, between geography and uh, and your partner there and Mikey, you can talk pretty well for the Panthers. <laughs> yeah. Charlie Staines. Now, he's just lost 50K. Like, I, I was off Charlie Staines at the start of the year. I've said that many times. I didn't start with him. He's been traded out every single week. Now, I, I get it, and you know he was always a lot of money to leave there, but at the moment you're trading him out at his at his almost his lowest, pretty much. You know he's just lost fifty k this past week. He's got to be sixty five, which is high ish because he scores so low, but it's not terrible. I don't know if I own Charlie Staines, I'd really want to see the back of him, and I guess that's why people are, are dumping him this week again. But if I just lost fifty k on it. I'd feel a bit shitty about it, and I'd also feel like the Sharks matchup isn't a bad one for him to get a try. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was very close to playing him last week. Um, I'm glad I didn't. I ended up going Laurie over him, thank God. But um, this week, I, I just feel like he's he's due a try, and I, feel, I guess I feel that every week. But I don't, I don't know what I don't know what's going on. I, I think it's the crime factor inside him. Um, it was Momorowski before that, but. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I'm holding him till round 13 and um, people are selling him because they're playing him and they want to strengthen up their starting side. I think if you're not playing him, you, you definitely got to hold him till round 13. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've been pretty big on trading him, but I think the closer we get to the buy, the more I'm sort of, you may as well just keep him now um, because it's round 10 next week. So, I mean... You may as well just keep him for a few because you've held on for this long. Uh, I think that if you wanted to make the decision to get rid of him, it should have been before. But I can't really say, you know, people are wrong for doing it. 19, 25, 15 in the last three. He's barely able to, in fact, he can't get to a 20.3 round average. He's just under at 19 point something. It's just, it has been an awful season for him. Um, So I get people doing it. Sharks and Titans the next couple. So he does have a couple of potential reprieves, but... Aside from that, the more controversial ones, another Panther, Kurt Capewell. He's obviously had that rib injury, which made him leave at the half uh, and not finish the game last week. But in saying that, he's been named to start. I haven't seen any late mail or anything yet. We probably won't see any. But I'm going to guess that maybe people are trading him out thinking that maybe he's going to go and he's going to be out of the side and not be playing. But he's gone 43 and 51 the last two, so he hasn't been fantastic. But obviously, he's got the higher upside. And some playing against his old club, the Sharks, this week, I'd probably want to be playing him as well as the Gold Coast the following weeks. So, do you reckon that this is just numbers that are a bit augmented because people are just testing the waters if he's not actually named? Or, or do you think people are actually jumping off Curdy Capewell? 
I think it's a bit of both. I think he was probably a sell before round 13 anyway because he's not um, consistently getting the minutes. But I think the injury cloud just is worrying people. I think they're thinking more likely he will um, not play. And I'm actually one of them. I I sold him out for Bradman Best this week. Uh, Yeah, I just think as a second rower, you probably expect just a little more consistency from him. Uh, I know he's in the center wing area and it's a position where you can get 20s. Um, but yeah, he, he's just probably not getting just enough minutes and enough consistency for the owners. So I guess they're cutting ties now uh, before round 13, which they would have sold him by then anyway. Yeah, me and Wilfred are beating a bit of a running battle about Kurt Capewell because I didn't like oh, him yeah. to buy, so <laughs> yeah. he um, managed to, to tell me, sucked in a few times because um, Kurt Capewell managed to score two tries in the last five minutes of games, I think in back-to-back games as well, so absolute yeah, rubbish. <laughs> I guess apart apart from that, he's had seven scores under 52, so uh, like, can you really afford to constantly have them scores below 52 in your side when there's a center wing scoring like Holmes scoring 70 80 the biggest thing is that his base is just not very good like his base is 39 um, and his average minutes are 65 his minutes are actually better than what I thought they were going to be like at the start of the season I sort of said you know if he's not playing 80 minutes I'm not interested um, if he's 80 then yep. I'm interested um, but if he's doing 65 plus then he becomes a little bit interesting but the problem is that his minutes are just so all over the shop um, sometimes that you just you don't really know. Now, they have normalised a little bit, um, but he's still gone from, you know, 80 minutes against the Broncos three weeks ago to then following up playing Newcastle and playing 67 minutes. And that's a big drop for him because he doesn't have that high base where he's going to be able to punch out really big scores in, in lower minutes. So the 80 is really important. Wilfred brings up the fact, which is valid because it's there, that if you take into account his base attack, uh, it's actually a bit higher and you've got sort of mid-40s. But most of his tackle breaks, uh, he hardly ever offloads, but most of his tackle breaks all happen when he scores a try. So <laughs> it's almost yep. it, it's almost relying on him scoring a try from his base attack because he'll get three tackle breaks scoring his try. But if he doesn't score a try, he might get one tackle break to zero. You know, so he doesn't really have base attack. When you have those games, you're getting no try. You're getting like a 40, a 51 and a 43, which has been his last three games that haven't had a try. And you may as well have a winger with big upside that can at least, they might throw up a 30 for two weeks, but at least they can throw up a hundred that third week and you're going to end up with a better yep. average. So I've never been big on, on Capewell. So I, I get people, you know, jumping off. I wasn't a huge fan, um, but I'm a little bit surprised if he's healthy if guys have been happy enough to buy and own him, why they jump off with the next two-week run, I guess. Yeah, that's true. And I, I feel like with uh, second rowers like Capewell, I, I I don't know if I look into the run too much as well. Like I got excited when he was playing tougher matchups because it seemed like he played more minutes against the tougher matchups, but mm. it just hasn't been con- consistent at all and I can't read it. And it's given me a headache whether to leave him out or play him. So, yeah, I'm just cutting ties with him. Yep, no, completely fair enough. I love your Bradman Best uh, trade. The traded in guys, there's a few guys that aren't on this list. Let's hit on those first because I think they're pretty interesting. Um, You mentioned Bradman Best already, so let's talk about him. He's a guy who looked like an absolute world beater last year but obviously had his injury issues. But he still averaged 60 points a game. uh, Sorry, 62 points a game last year. 
So he's in gun territory. He did it with a 38 raw base. So when you're talking about Capewell being a forward and having a pretty poor base at 39, this is a centre wing in Bradman Best that at the moment has a 38 base. That's his base right now this year. So his base is almost the same as what a second rower is, and he's playing in the centre wing. But last year, he showed that base, base attack skill as well with his tackle breaks. This year, he's still averaging 60 points a game. He's obviously had an injury interrupted season, but he's only 509,000 now. And he's coming up against a Raiders side that's really struggled. And I don't think that their centres and their edges are defending too crash hot either. So... It's a big game this week. You can get Bradman Best at 509,000, but it's the run afterwards that I really like for him with the Tigers, the Cowboys, Manly, and then Parramatta in the bye round, which is going to be a weakened Parramatta side. He's 77 BE this week, Sabs. So, I mean, you could wait a week, get him for that Tigers matchup, hope that he doesn't score a try this week, and then all of a sudden he's maybe 485K, and he becomes a phenomenal trading next week. But he's a great one to look at this week. He's obviously under 10% owned, very much pod territory. And I'm really surprised that more teams, especially since more are looking towards the buy, aren't looking at Bradman Best at the moment. Because to me, he's he's not in that top centre wing if you do you know your search on the best centre wing averages at the moment, but he hasn't really played enough games. He has scores the last three weeks of 43, 65 and 39. They don't sound great, so I guess that's why people are laying off. But none of those have tries in them. Uh, and his base and his floor has been really good. The fact that he can even average 60 at the moment, scoring one try this season in his five games, speaks to how much upside he actually presents at the moment for value. So I'm all in on him. You've obviously traded him in, so you obviously love him as well. Yeah, um, I think uh, 65 and 43 against Penrith and uh, the Roosters, like that's the floor, I guess. Like They're, they're the benchmark, and he's not going to have much tougher matchups than that. I think the main reason I was really keen on him this week was um, last year's game against Canberra, Newcastle absolutely come out and ruined them. Uh, he scored 123 against them last year. And that, that was the day Ponga absolutely carved up as well and scored like 160 or something. So um, I'm hoping for a repeat of that and everyone will be jumping on Bradman Best next week. Um, 76 was the break even I bought Brian Toa at and then Toa scored 121. So I'm, I'm seeing a bit of deja vu happening here. Yeah, and if you get on early on these draws, you've got a chance to get a jump on those people that might jump on later. And you also get... I think it's really important to look at guys like Bradman Best and, and realise that even if guys jump on later, you've also gotten the money benefit. So it's not just the points for the, say, two weeks before people start jumping on that you've got on the crowd jumping on, but you've also got probably 75 to 100K that you've saved, which making other teams have to spend that money to get your points is very worthwhile too. The value right now is, is big. Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave Bradman Best on um, mentioning his round two game. If people want to look at sort of what he can do without the tries, round two, he didn't score a try and he scored 95 points. You know, he had five, I think five combined offload tackle breaks, uh, two try assists, a line break assist, and then all his normal work rate. And that resulted in 95 points. And those are the sort of games he can have without even scoring a try. And it was a 20 to 16 game as well. So there wasn't even many points in it. So that's what he can do. Um, and, and certainly, you know, injury is going to be a factor, but, you know, he can get you through the buy period really well. The Knights probably have from this round till the next buy in round 17, one of the best draws, if not the best draw that there is as well. So Knights players are certainly ones that I'm starting to target a little bit. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel quite uh, left out uh, not being able to get Ponga in as well. Yeah, it's, it's a real bummer. But, he, I mean, he's going to play Origin as well. So I've just yeah. I've resigned to the fact that I'm not going to have him at the moment. But that, that might change if I get really worried about it. <laughs> um, have to wait and see. Uh, some of these other guys that aren't on the traded-in list at the moment. Uh, one of them I get not being on it this week, but I think it is a week that you probably should be having a look at him, and that's Ryan Madison. Um, so now Ryan Madison's come back for a week now where he's played 80 minutes um, against the Bulldogs and scored 60 points, 54. That is in raw base. That's precisely what you want to see. He didn't have the offloads or tackle breaks, uh, but that's going to come. Uh, you know, that was a big part of his game last year, especially the offloads. So you expect that to be coming. He's playing the Roosters this week. So I get him not being on the top 10 traded in, but on market watch as well, it's going to be very much about um, guys that you should be having on your watch list for that week as well. And Ryan Madison's one of those guys. He's now returned. He's now shown that he's going to be an 80-minute player again straight away, which I didn't think there was any doubt of once he was healthy. Um, so other thing too with him is that he's playing the Roosters this week, which is a tough matchup, but it's also his old club Sabs. So I actually expect him to probably go pretty well this week, uh, but he's got 126 BE. So certainly the week after playing the Warriors, all of a sudden you can have Ryan Madison for maybe 560K. Uh, and that is a phenomenal price for a guy that's going to play the round 13 by and was a guy that averaged 75 points a game last year that is currently 21 points below his average. So you know that he's going to have some upside on his 54 that he has at the moment, which includes his injury-affected game. So I'm watching Madison this week with a keen interest. Uh, next week, he's a plan for me to buy. Are you one of the guys that's, that's on Madison once he's healthy and, and playing and you're happy with him in a couple of weeks? Oh, slightly. I'm definitely keeping an eye on him, but I just know he's one HIA away from possibly having more extended time off. Um, uh, if he gets a slight bump that he won't pass his HIA, um, I'm a bit worried about that. But uh, in the preseason, we are pretty much saying that Madison was the must-have second rower for the year. So um, I can't forget that. And if he puts out another 60, 65, I think I'm, I might jump on next week. He's definitely going to be the risk that there's going to be some some injury cloud there if he gets the, the concussion again. But I guess I think one of the things that's positive about him sitting out so many weeks, you know, he, he's had five weeks out of the NRL, um, four weeks without playing at all. That's going to be good for it to keep, his concussion issues at bay because yep. if anyone listens to the NRL physio or has a look at any of that type of info, the highest recurrence is directly after your concussions, which is why they're so uh, worried about it. As each week passes, there's less and less chance of a recurrence of a concussion. So, I mean, he's now gone oh, six weeks without the concussion, uh, which is basically where you need to be for it to be, you know, as much chance as if you did it last year to doing it six weeks ago, of you copying it again as far as it, you know, reoccurrence. So I think that he's as safe as he can be, um, but it is always going to be a risk. I think a lot of people also probably maybe get carried away with how much time he's had off before. He played 17 out of 25 games last year, um, or actually it was less games last year. So, when you're having a look at last year, he only missed a few games. So it wasn't a huge amount. Um, the year before, he played 24 games. The year before, he played 19 out of the 26 rounds and so forth. So he's he's always missed a few games, but it hasn't been like he's been missing half a season or anything. And he's already missed sort of his five games of first grade. So 
you can you can at least hope that he's going to get you through the first buy. But I think one of the good things with Madison is that he is a guy that, like you said, we thought he was going to be the best second rower. So you can keep him all the way through. And by the time we sort of get post buy, I think most teams are going to be strong enough. We're sort of when you're hitting sort of, you know, around 17, 18, if Madison cops a concussion for a couple of weeks, your teams are going to be strong enough either just to just to hold him and you're going to play another gun anyway with the top teams or you, you just trade him out for another gun straight away for that run home for the last sort of six weeks. So I, I don't see a lot of downside if you can get Madison at 550k next week. And I'm liking that there's so many in the anti-Madison camp that are forgetting the sort of player that he was. Yeah, exactly. And if you get on him next week and he's, let's say he's ninth or eighth on the list for traded in uh, and he scores a try that week, uh, he's going to be first the next week. So, um, it's all about getting on it at the right time. Now, I'm going to talk about my favourite pot of the year. And it's one that I mention a bit, but I don't really say is it, you know, is a bit of a buy. But I'm going to say he's a bit of a buy at the moment. And that is Adam Dewey. <laughs> uh, I am number one and only person in the Adam Dewey fan club. But <laughs> he's ama- it, it, it's honestly, it's been amazing how well he's gone. He scores. I'm going to discount his first score, right? I'm just going to throw it out the window because he'd been out. He hadn't played yet. It's the first game of the season. Came back in round two, scored 25, playing the Roosters at full strength. Throw that out the window. Let's have a look from round three onwards what he's done. 90, 84, 94, 61, 20, 83. So, you know, he's got a five-round average of 68, a three-round average of 55, and that includes a 20 in there. He's only actually got two scores out of his seven games, which have been below 60. But as well as that, five out of his have been 80 plus. So he's just, he's been going really under the radar as far as his super coach effectiveness. Um, and a lot of it's stuff that you really want in a super coach player. Last week, he had three offloads, I think five tackle breaks. Um, and he's doing that pretty regularly where he's getting some base attack. He's running the ball a fair bit as well, which you want to see, but he's also the goal kicker now full-time, and that's not going anywhere, and he's smash, smashing goals. And he's getting a, tri- a try assist or a try pretty much every week. Like, if he's not getting a try assist, he's getting a try. I, I think he's been one of my favourite guys to own as a pod because I got him in at sort of closer to 400K. Uh, well, sorry, 475K he was. Um, but in the next run of games we've got for the Tigers, he got a 90 BE this week. So you could wait, but he does have the Gold Coast this week. He's 530K. A lot of guys are saying, you know, is it time to get rid of Schuster? But if I'm going to get rid of Schuster, who am I going to go to? Because Munster's kind of underperforming. Cody Walker hasn't been as good as what you'd sort of hope. Both of those guys are possibly going to play Origin. Maybe you can get Luai. There isn't really a lot of options. Adam Dewey's playing round 13. His run coming up is the Gold Coast Titans, Newcastle Knights, New Zealand Warriors, St. George Dragons, and a Penrith side that's going to be decimated in the bye. Uh, their run is very good. Uh, and he's been scoring on a run that you know hasn't been that good um, anyway. So I don't want to sound like I'm saying Adam Dewey's <laughs> one of the best players that's ever lived, but he has been averaging 65 points a game this year very quietly. And if you discount that first round, he's actually been averaging 70-plus. And he's goal kicking and has, a, you know, I'm really all in on him. He's only a few percent owned, you know, no one's jumping on him. But when you're looking towards the buy, there's a lot of players that everybody's going to own. There's a few little guys 
like Adam Dewey, that nobody's going to own. And those are the guys that can really set you apart in that round 13. So I, I'm glad that I bought him like a month ago. Um, and, I, you know, he's my round 13, 5-8. But, Sabs, are you just going to smash me for mentioning Adam Dewey? <laughs> no, I'm actually looking at his stats now, and uh, I feel like I'd love to own him, but I'm hating him at the moment because I've got Luciano Leilua, and he... Uh, he swapped sides recently, Luciano, uh, to accommodate for Joey coming in the side. And I loved when Luke Brooks gave Luciano early ball. Adam Dway, he's kind of holding the ball up and taking the run probably five out of seven times. So um, I'm really hating watching Adam Dewey. But <laughs> if I had him in my side, I wouldn't hate it. And I feel like that try assist to Luciano Leilu will come because uh, him and Lugana have really... Uh, linked up really well, and he's, I think he's set him up for like two or three tries already this year. Um, I really like him as an option, and I think he will stay a pod because um, because of your um, Munsters, Luis, and Walkers, and the, and then there's Schuster. Uh, I could see a world where you go Schuster to Dewey, and he, he could really a really good average up until maybe round, oh, maybe post round seventeen when you want to get your Origin guns in back in, but. Yeah, I, you've made me think about it. <laughs> I, I'm going to go out there and say, and, and some people think I'm crazy, and that's cool because, you know, it, he hasn't gone great the years before this. Like, he's averaging 65. Last year, he averaged 55, though, which isn't terrible. Um, and obviously, the years before, 37, 24. But he's been, he's been working his way up every single year. Post-round yep. 17, he actually has a really good run. In fact, the Tigers' run at the moment is pretty good all the way through. That if you look at post-17, Broncos, Manly, Warriors, Bulldogs, Cowboys, Sharks, Panthers, Bulldogs. Now, playing the Bulldogs twice there in that post-17 run. In that seven games, they're potentially only playing one top eight team, potentially. Now, that's phenomenal to the point that I've actually looked at Dewey and gone, you know what? At the price I got him at, the fact that he covers around 13, I'm just going to leave him there as my second 5'8 at the moment. And, you know, if he stops going well sort of towards that run, maybe I'll, I'll jump on a Luai or something else. But I think that 5'8 has been a real troublesome position this year where, you know, Cody Walker and Munster were, were the top two guys. And they have, they've gone okay, but they haven't set the world on fire where it's really going to burn you to sort of go a second option as your backup. And, and I'm starting to think that Adam Dewey might be my backup pod option. Yeah, I, I really don't hate it at all. Um, I think he's finally locked down a spot in that 5'8". He looks bigger this year, so he, he's more suited to tackle breaks and running, uh, getting them base points in them runs. Um, and he's goal kicking, so there's there's nothing to hate about it. None of them 5'8's goal kick, so that, he's also got that difference against all the other ones. Yeah, like he it does. Yeah, I, I really do. I've enjoyed owning him. He's one of those fun guys. It's always fun when you find a pod that scores really well and nobody else has him and you can just sort of enjoy the ride. Um, yeah, James, for sure. James Tedesco, people are trading out rather than trading in. But, you know, we've already mentioned it that aside from him being back this week against Parramatta, he's then got the Cowboys, Broncos, and then he's got the Raiders. It isn't at GIO Stadium, I don't think. Now and the Raiders are obviously going pretty poor. So, yeah. So he's got a, an awesome record against Parramatta and the Raiders. I know that you've sold him, and yeah. I know that other people are going to you know, look at other options. But he's got 157 B this week, which means mm-hmm. he could score a ton, and he's still going to be sub 550k. I 
could not buy him fast enough next week at sub 550k for a Cowboys Broncos double. You know, like it's, uh, I don't care about the injuries the Roosters have. That runs phenomenal for two weeks. You've already mentioned Sav's really good stat that 92 points per game is what fullback score against the Broncos this year. It's, uh, are you looking at getting him back in? Oh, it's very hard because Manly have a decent draw and I've got Tom Trebojevic and really uh, since I've traded in Clint Gutherson, I, I do want to hold him till that round 13 buy. So I'm in a bit of a pickle at the moment, but it's going to be hard not owning Tedesco this week uh, or the next few weeks. I think the only thing that puts me at ease is he's not proven with Sam Walker in the side. Mm-hmm. It looks like um, Sam Walker likes to throw them cutout balls and not get Teddy involved. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that as a Roosters fan? Um, I think it's definitely been there, but I think that it's also been a bit overstated. Like I think some of it is as well, um, Sam Walker learning to play with the guys that are there. And I don't yep. think it, as good as Sam Walker has played in patches, it's probably marks some of the facts that he still looked like an 18 year old halfback playing his first NRL season. Um, there's still been like there was a game, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. Where yeah, the Sharks game. You know that Sharks game. He scored the winning try. He threw a couple of good balls before that. The last 15 minutes he played was superb, but the first half that he played against the Sharks was actually really poor. Um, and that all gets overshadowed by the fact that you know he won him the match and he played really well and finished really well in the last quarter of the game. But he's still making a lot of mistakes and stuff. He's still learning. You know, how to play. Part of that as well is learning how to get Tedesco the ball when he needs it. And I don't think that an 18-year-old halfback with less than half a dozen games under his belt is going to relegate James Tedesco to not getting ball or not getting the ball when he wants it. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Tedesco will ask for it. And I'm pretty sure that Robinson will make sure that Tedesco gets the ball. So I, I just think that it was a, a bad few games. You know, it's only a small sample size. Sam Walker was just starting in first grade when Teddy was playing with him before Teddy went down. Um, and they'll, they'll, they'll work it out. You know, Teddy will get the ball um, and he'll still get the ball enough to carve up the Cowboys and the Broncos. His carries were only a couple below in those first two Sam Walker games. I think there are only two less carries a game than what he'd normally get um, and his possessions and stuff were just in sort of different parts of the field. So, yeah, I think it's a small sample. I'm pretty confident with Teddy, but I've got Teddy and Gutho at the moment, so I don't really have any decisions to make. Yep. Other guys that have been trained in at the moment. Tavita Pengai Jr. is number one on the list. Now, everyone's bringing him in at the moment, which sucks because I brought him in and was talking about him like three weeks ago. He's he's looking great. We're not going to talk about him again because I've spoken about him enough. Brian Toto, second on the list. 8.2% coaches bringing him in at the moment. He's a must-own centre wing. He's been the number one centre wing all year. Been talking about him since round one, so I'm not going to go into the numbers. Just say, well done, you finally came around. Uh, Josh Curran's third, though. So this one's a bit more controversial, but it was actually a strategy that I went for, Savs, where um, I went for points last week. I decided I'm yep. not going to get Curran last week, and I'm going to pay the premium to get him in this week because I thought he was good enough to be able to still make at least another 100, 150K, even yep. with his price rise. Now, his price rise ended up being a lot more than what I was hoping because he had a great <laughs> week last week. So he's gone up 90,000. So he's now 293,000 after scoring 66 points last week. Um, but he's gone 66, 55, and 77. So if he keeps averaging 66 points a game, you know he's going to be sort of 500K plus pretty easily, pretty quickly. 
So I, I'm definitely on board with coaches bringing him in that missed out. Um, my trade this week is probably going to be Condon to Josh Curran. Uh, and I sort of feel like I made an extra 25, 30K on Condon by holding him that extra week. So it's only kind of a 50 to 60K premium I'm playing on paying on Curran. So I reckon that's fine. Yeah. How are you on, on paying the extra for Curran and just getting him this week? Well, I was planning on doing the same thing, but uh, the thing that led me to getting him in last week was just uh, he he was going to score. I was quite confident he was going to score similar to the play I was going to get in anyway. So yep. I decided to, to get him in last week. Um, looking at it now, Trisis down a line breaker six for, for 66. Oh, 42 tackles. Um, he, I guess he's not going to be an end-of-season keeper, but if the attacking stats are there quite often, well, I guess he could be. But yeah, uh, 290K is an absolute bargain for what, what he's producing. Yep. I, I'm all aboard buying him this week. I, I think this is the week that you have to do it or you miss out as well, so you can't wait any longer. Jermaine Sarko, <laughs> how about this one? Now, yeah. I... I'm absolutely gutted that he got that score last week. And I was watching it. Like, I don't know if you watched the game, but he, he looked like the Jermaine Osako I've loathed and hated his whole career pretty <laughs> yep. much for the first part of the game when they were down 22-0. And then he just exploded and turned into some combination of Travojevic, Billy Slater, and James Tedesco and threw up <laughs> 156 points. And he did that with 16 base, right? So he's, he's still shocking. But threw up 156 points. He's now 503,000. Okay. I think everybody bringing him in needs to pump the brakes because yeah. 156 points was great, but you've missed that. You know, this is quintessential chasing last week's points. The scores before that 25, 49, 67, 31. All that is with goal kicking. Okay. Even with that 156. His five round average is still only sixty six points. So, and he's he's you know anyone else scores one hundred and fifty six, the B is going to be like negative thirty eight, and he's got a he's got a two B E. You know, like that should tell you everything <laughs> yeah. you need to know about Asako as a five hundred K buy this week. I, I I could not get away from it enough myself. I'm not I'm not interested in that at all. Yeah, I I think he could. Uh, yeah, I just yeah, I don't I, I don't know what to say about it. I've never liked Azarko, but uh, I must admit, to start the season, he would have been a nice buy, but he he's not a buy now, and I would have sold him by now anyway. So yeah, <laughs> I don't understand the people getting him in if they're serious super coaches or not. But yeah, it's a funny one. Yeah, it is. Um, but I think people are ch- sort of chasing money when there isn't really money there. I mean, I guess he does play. <laughs> yeah play the the Cowboys this week, you know, maybe people are looking at that as a pretty good matchup, which it is pretty decent. But yeah, I, I'm not into it. Um, there's actually a guy later on the list that I'm going to just bring forward now and talk about, and that's Remus Smith. And the reason I'm going to talk about Remus Smith is because he's another guy in the top 10 that if you really want to get some money from purchase, it's going to be expensive and some decent matchups, then he's the guy that I would go over, Jermaine Asako. Uh, he's 35k less. He's 465k. He's still more than what I would like to pay for him. But unlike Jermaine, he's coming off back-to-back tons. And Remus is also playing a south side that is pretty decimated in the Dragons. He's gone 120, 109 the last two weeks. A lot of that is tries. He scored like six tries the last two weeks or something ridiculous. But he's got a minus 60 BE. You know, that's what you want to see. If you're paying for a guy that's just gone off, 
you want like a minus 60 BEs to make sure that you're going to get the cash. And that's when you can negate your downside Savs because he can come in and play shit the next two weeks um, and he's still going to make you 100K and you can just go, oh, well, it didn't work out. Here's my 100 grand. That's fine. And you get rid of him. It, it could work out and then you can hold him around 13 and just play him for the buy and then pun him. So I actually see him as a pretty decent option. Um, and he does have a 28 base, which isn't the worst thing in the world. And it's certainly not going to give you an Asako base at fullback of a 16 that he's done the last two weeks. So if, if you're going for that type of purchase, Remus Smith is the guy, not Asako. Yeah, I agree. Um, even Nico Hines uh, over Asako, um, even though... Remus Smith is probably a better cash prospect. Um, I had Remus Smith up until round five and then punted him. Um, really devastated about that one. <laughs> um, I, I can't bite the bullet and get him back in. Um, but him or even like uh, Nico Hines is negative 30 break even and will play fullback in that round 13 um, matchup. So either of them, Remus Smith is probably the better one though because at least he'll probably keep his cash up until then. Yep. Zachary Sinney is uh, the Tigers debutant from last round that people are bringing in as a fifth most trading guy. I guess people are going for the downgrade option that they have to get this week to upgrade somewhere else. And that's why they're going early. I really like the look of him last week. I think he scored uh, 65 points. Um, he looked really good. Looked like he was willing and he was going to take hit ups and stuff and he could finish. Um, Hopefully he holds that spot, but I'd be pretty worried about buying him after one round. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like he's been on the radar for two years or so. Um, uh, I have a lot of friends that are friends with him, and they're, they're up in the crowd there on the weekend. Yep. And um, he, he pretty much told me on Friday night, I posted in the in the Facebook group that um, mm. he was debuting. That's how I found out. But um He's been waiting for a few years and there's always been the Tommy Talaus and Kapoas above him. I think he's probably cemented a spot because he kind of looks like he's willing to do the work over, um, do the hard yards. And I think Michael Maguire will like that. Um, I'm just getting up his stats now. So 32 in tackle. Oh, wait, no, that's Luciano Leilua. Sorry, my bad. (laughs) I was looking at the wrong one. So he he scored 20 in line breaks. Um, 18 in hit-ups, so um, I guess he's got like 25 in base about. So, yeah, you're not asking for much less, I guess. Um, But I'd wait another week for him. Yeah, you you need to wait a week on guys like him, especially with the the options that Madge has as the Tigers. I'd be worried that you're going to buy him, not get a price rise, or buy him, get one price rise, hold him for round 13, and then he doesn't even play round 13 or something like that. It, that that could happen. So it's a bit of a worry. Um, the other guys left on the most trade in before we quickly go through TLT, they're all a bit more controversial because they're, they're all guns, but some of them I really don't like as a buy. Now, mm-hmm. I, Isaiah Papali'i, I'm going to have to eat some humble pie on, and that's fine. Because I said, oh, two weeks ago, there's no way in the world that he should be a buy. Um, people shouldn't be buying him. It's Madison's going to be coming back the next week for sure, which I was right about. You know, Madison's going to sooner or later be getting his 80 minutes back. Obviously, he's taken the spot that Lane had. So he ended up going great guns and he also scored a try. Now, against the Broncos, it, it was always going to be the case of he was going to go well that week. I just didn't expect him to back it up last week and go 125 and get his 70, um, his 68 minutes and end up, you know, starting still. Uh, I didn't think that Lane was going to get dropped. 
went great. You know, if you bought him two weeks ago, you were fine. Uh, and I was wrong on that one, and that's fine. I'm happy to say that. But I've said to a million people, Savs, that's fine. I'm glad that you bought him. <laughs> you did well. Uh, I would still make the same decision over again. So if I went back in time two weeks ago and I looked at everything, I'd still make the decision not to buy Isaiah Papali'i because I think that the chances are that he was going to be back on the bench and that he wasn't going to score tries. And, you know, then all of a sudden you make 50K and he's on the bench again. Now, he's 760,000 now. He's got a 68 BE. He obviously plays round 13. I'm not going to double down and say I hate buying him because he's been going too well. But, <laughs> you know, he's he's been killing it. He's priced max, so. And I don't think that you're going to lose anything by waiting longer towards the buy if you want him for buy cover. If you're seeing him as an out-and-out gun, that's fine. But I still think that the risk is there uh, because Lane isn't a very good bench player. He's He's not any impact off the bench at all. You know, and he's a guy that needs his 80 minutes on an edge to, to be able to show anything really. Now that's that's going to be an issue for their for their rotations. I, I could see Papalia going back to the bench and still playing 55 off the bench, um, but that's going to hurt him. I just 760,000 is a lot to pay, but I am gun shy Sabs, so I need your advice on this one. I, I, I've I've oh. stuffed up on him and I've missed him. He's 760,000 though. I'm not paying that, but what should other people be doing? I guess if everyone knew that he was going to get this run and then when, as soon as Madison was back, uh, he would stay in the side. Um, do we have an update on the Nathan Brown injury? Is he likely to play this week? Well, apparently he is, which I find really strange because he looked really injured. Uh, and I thought automatically, oh no, P- Papa Lee owners are going to get another out on me. I'm going to cop it again this week <laughs> because you know, Papa Lee is going to start at 13, play max minutes and like kill it in the middle. But, um, but Brown's yeah. been named and the, the it's all saying that it looks like that he'll probably play. It's just going to be painful. So we'll probably get an update later in the week on him, I guess. Yeah, well, I have no doubt that Papa Lee, he's probably cemented a spot in that side. But for, for the price you're paying for, he scored a try in his last three or four games and he scored a double in one of them as well. So you're really spending a premium price on him. Um, I do like second rowers in your prop area. So I think that's a plus considering the position is an absolute uh, basket case this year. So I, I do like him as a prospect eventually, but... Um, I think you could probably pick him up in a couple of weeks for 650k. Fingers crossed he doesn't go over the line. <laughs> yeah, or he could cop a HIA and then, you know, everybody's going to be laughing. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, probably just wait. And But if you've got the money there, like, there's no harm against going for it because the base is there and the attacking opportunity is there. So, wouldn't hate anyone for doing it if the balance of their side works out well to have him in there. But, yeah, there's just no need to go this early. Or he's this gone, late, <laughs> yeah, this late. He's gone too. He's gone too well for for me to say now. You know, you, you, you can't get him in. You know, yeah. He's got, <laughs> he's got three out of his last four. He's got tons, and he's got five tries in his last five games. Now, yeah, that that's phenomenal. I am gonna use those numbers against him though. If you got a James Tedesco, a Tom Travoy, an attacking number one player, fullback that can accumulate those big scores you don't worry that they've scored a couple because they can go on those runs and they're fully capable. And in fact, you expect there to be, you know, six, seven of those big scores a year. For an Isaiah Papali'i, you don't expect that at all. In fact, it's a massive outlier for a second rower to be able to put up three out of four tons and especially big tons of 125 and 129, you know, and to score, you know, 
five tries in five weeks. Massive outlier. What those numbers say is that in probability stakes, he's not going to keep doing that. And every week that we go now, in the next couple of weeks, it's going to stop and he's going to score a 50, 60-point game. Uh, it's going to happen because he cannot keep going at the rate that he is. A Tedesco or someone could keep throwing out a ton in every second game or whatever. I'm confident Isaiah Papali can't. So I'd be very scared to buy him um, just based on how well he's already gone. If you got him, <laughs> you've gone fantastic though. Yeah, definitely. I am, you know, I said Adam Dewey, number one fan in the fan club of one or two people, but Mike Acevo has got a few more fans and I am still the number one fan for him as well. <laughs> but I am against buying this week, hey? Like, yeah. I was real on it a couple of weeks ago for the draw when he was cheap. And then after he put his big score up, I was real on it last week saying, you know, he's got a minus 38 BE. The worst is that you're going to make money. And that's your worst case scenario, even if he doesn't score well. Came out after his 157 and scored 99 points last week. Scored another two tries, which had a nice bet on top sport and got some money for that one. So that was an easy one. But you're buying him this week at 576K. You know, you're now paying 176000 more than what he was two games ago before the Bulldogs game, uh, before the Broncos game. And he's just now too expensive to do it and not going to give you the points. Like, he's the type of guy that has the big scores in him, but he's also the type of guy that if he scored 100 and 157 the last two weeks, you're probably not going to get it this week. You're probably going to get a low score because he has the low scores in him and you need to expect him. So I think it's going to be really disappointing for someone to buy him against the Roosters this week. Um, he might go well, but I think it's probably unlikely. The problem is, Savs, I'm having trouble because I looked at it and I thought all these things and I'm an owner, so it's easy for me to say, you know, you've missed the boat, I've got the points, you don't. But he does have a minus 47 beer this week. So could it be that maybe you can bring him in and you can say, well, I could still make some money out of it if it doesn't work? Yeah, I, I completely agree. He's not a buy this week. Um, but that, I guess that negative break even is always tempting. I remember when I first started Supercoach, that was my tactic. Just target the people with negative break evens and I'll end up with the most money out of anyone. <laughs> so um, people might be going with that tactic, but I owned Sivo last year and without a try, he's not very good. So... I think you've done well in owning him before he's got that big score. Um, that score probably comes twi- two or three times a year and you've got him for that big 150 and then a 99 following. So I guess for you, is your plan to hold on to him till 13 and then move on or are you going to hold him for the rest of the year? Um, I'll, I'll probably sell him before round 16 versus the Panthers um, yep. to, to prepare for the round 17 buy unless... Yep. He has a career year the next couple of months, and sort of shows. Yeah, me that's that fair. He shows me that he needs to stay there. But on his past careers, like I think oh, his past years, I think that he looks better this year. But I also yeah. think that he's probably only good for one more big score, or even he might only get one more ton, maybe two. So buying yeah. him now with so many rounds left, hoping you're going to get one of those, you know, it's it's pretty diminished because he's just had those couple of big scores. But if you want to own him for round 13, I mean, the other flip of the coin is if you don't buy him now, you, you might not be able to get him in because he's just going to be way more expensive potentially. Yeah, that's true. If, if you're finding there's not many other round 13 options, which I think there are, definitely jump on him. But um, yeah, I, I think it's the theme of the podcast. Jump on the person before they get the big score, not after. I think that's <laughs> yeah. the way to go. Yep, for sure. Um, Harry Grant, we spoke about a bit last week and I, I didn't love, so I'm just going to go straight for your input on it um, because Grant still wasn't getting 80 minutes a game 
uh, and people were buying him for last week. He threw up 103 points against the Sharks. Now, that's great. He played 69 minutes, which was more minutes than before. So potentially he's back, but I'd want to see him play 69, 70-plus minutes again this week and maybe even the following week before I looked at buying him. The problem is, you know, he's got an 89 BE, so I don't think there's any reason to buy him this week unless maybe you're going for points against Souths. You know, he, he could jag them. But the problem is he's, he's going to be playing State of Origin, and that's coming up very quickly. So I sort of looked at him and went, look, I'd like to track, target him for next week against the Dragons, but I can't really bring him in for a few weeks before Origin. I'd rather just stay with Watson and, you know, start a Watson instead, and he's going to play 13. It's a real tough one. How do you stand on Harry Grant this week? I think you can't go wrong with Harry Grant. I think he, he was probably on track to make to play 80 minutes last week, but he was rested because they're obviously so far up. But mm. the way I see it is there's not that much difference between the hookers most people probably have and Harry Grant. Like the, I think the difference is Harry Grant can get 100 and these other guys are constantly scoring 60, 70. So it's only 30 points. You're better off investing your money elsewhere in positions where there's a difference between the next best of like uh, 50 or 60 points. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see a need to to rush him in at the moment. Um, I, I think I like Reed Marnie better. Or not not better, but just better considering he's playing round 13 and um, playing 80 minutes, I guess. Yeah, he's gone a lot better than what I thought he was going to go Reed Marnie, so I need to give him credit. I- yeah, I was I was very off him at the start of the year when he started off on fire, but uh, I think he genuinely is probably a premium option this year, probably more so than Cook. Yeah, Cook's been super disappointing, and that's probably why people are looking at Grant. I think people are looking at where they can get points. I think that's a really good strategy, actually. Look where you can make up points on, on everyone else, and Hooker is a disaster of a position this year. So yeah. you definitely can with Harry Grant. I'm, I'm not like massively against looking at him, I just think that you wait this week because if he plays, if somehow Brandon Smith goes back to play hooker again for a spurt this week and, and Harry Grant goes back to a 53-minute role, then it's just going to be shit. You can't do that. Yeah. But if he plays 70 minutes this week um, or 80 minutes even better, then you jump on the next week if you want to just aim for points and that's what I'd be doing. This other guy, the last guy we're going to quickly mention on the most trading is Peachy. And I've been against Peachy pretty much all year. Um, he's been going great the last month. He's... I'm not even going to say I'm wrong on him because he can he can hit some attack as much as he likes. He scored a try line break last week against the Broncos in a carve-up session. But 80, 81, 39, 101 sounds great. You know, it's that's all fantastic. Three-round average of 67, five-round average of 67, 528,031 BE. He's got 40 base, so he's sort of that capewell type in the center wing. But his minutes... They're still not there. You know, 52 minutes against the Broncos. The, la- the week before, it was 64. That's much more manageable to look at. But then the week before that, it was 56. The week before that, he played 80. And the week before that, he played 58. You know, like, he's got minutes as low as 43 in the starting 13 jersey. For 528,000, with not even a real low BE, I think there's so many good centre-wing options, Sav, that you could get for 528,000 or below. You know, Bradman Best... You could get in right now, um, and plenty of other guys as well. I just, I don't get Tyrone Peachy aside from the fact that he's been putting up some scores, scoring some tries, and getting attack in limited minutes the last month. Yeah, if he was playing eighty minutes, you'd one hundred percent get it. But the fact that he's not playing eighty minutes, and oh, I guess he can't. Like his ceiling is probably eighty to one hundred, whereas these other center wings can probably go one twenty. So I'm. 
yeah, I'm more keen on the the other center wings that we've already mentioned. Um, I guess this whole top ten list is very questionable, regardless. Um, oh, most of them. It's a weird week, isn't it? Like I think I mentioned this last week on the podcast, and the last couple we've sort of chatted about it. But I'm really liking the separation starting this season, and I think you can see yeah. it in the in the traded in because people are doing very different things. And it's making for some very different teams and some really interesting super coach. I, I agree. I remember um, in the Turbo Hammy Cup uh, inbox the other week, the Whisperer goes, oh, let Tommy play center wing so he can be center wing next year. No, I, I don't want that to happen because I, I love how there's so many different fullback combinations you can have. There's not that many jewels. So like there's limited front rowers. There's limited five eights, limited halfbacks. I think it makes for a really exciting um, matchup, whoever you're versing. Yeah, I really like it. Uh, let's go into TLT. And this one for all the listeners, we're actually going to do a condensed TLT this week where we're just going to go through each game quickly and look at top sport bet of the week, plus also captaincy and vice captaincy options mainly as well. So real condensed version this week, but Rabbitohs versus Storm. As far as options go, mate, I'm if I owned Pappenhausen and he was playing, I'd be elated with this matchup because I think the Rabbitohs are really under the pump with so many guys out. Campbell Graham, Cam Murray, Adam Reynolds, Jackson Paulo, all out. But he's not playing. The next best guy is a Munster as a VC for me. Um, Munster hasn't gone well, but he's going to have to get a big score eventually. First game of the round makes it easy. But if I owned the super pod that is Jerome Hughes, I would put VC <laughs> on him because he has been absolutely killing it. So definitely not C's for this one, but I expect the Storm to carve up and a VC on one of those big guns I think is, is on the cards. Yes, and Jerome Hughes actually scores, um, I think last year, four out of the five Thursday night games, he scored a try in. So that's a stat for you. What a stat. That's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> Better the week for top sport. Minus 7.5 for Melbourne is the line. Yep. $1.90 for that. Now, uh, I cannot see Seahawks getting within eight points of Melbourne. Yep. No, definitely not. Josh Adokar is pretty much a definitely going over for a try, I reckon, but I'm going to stick to the line on that one. Panthers versus Sharks is our next one. Now, this one looks like a good one to get a lot of Panthers going in. Um, I mentioned that the first game, you want maybe the big guns for the Storm to look at the VC options. If you did do that, Nathan Cleary as a C, again, becomes a real possibility. I only scored uh, in the 70s last week, which was a bit disappointing. Uh, I put the captaincy on him, and I was really, really annoyed, Savs, because I had the captaincy on Gutho at the start of the week, and I switched (laughs) it to Cleary, and it it just killed me. But do you think he's going to have a bit of a bounce back and get another ton this week against the Sharkies as a C? I think so. I think he's been a bit quiet this year. And I said the other week that I thought he would go over for that line break try soon enough. And he did in the last minutes against the Broncos. But I see him going over for a legit one, not a junk time one, um, and possibly even a double soon enough. Um, So this week could be the week. And I think also um, Charlie Staines on the right. This is the game where he scored uh, four tries against last year on his debut. So it could be a bit of um, deja vu. Yeah, it's a pretty good call, actually. Um, I'd Look, I'd hate to have Staines in my side, but if I had him and I was keeping him, I'd play him this week. Um, but hey, I don't know if I'm bored enough to do that, but <laughs> it's definitely a headache I've got this week. <laughs> well, top sport bet of the week, Brian Toto, $1.65. You will not see $1.65 for any time try for Toto anywhere else except for top sport. So that's 
I'm all over that one. He could easily score two tries. Um, I reckon Panthers are going to carve this one up. I wish I could get more Panthers into my side. Cleary's a real big option. Eels Roosters is the next one. Now, the Roosters have obviously been smashed by injuries. They're still a pretty formidable side when you consider that James Tedesco is coming back as well. Lachlan Lamb might come into the side too, so they're going to have a couple of good ins. But as far as the, the C and VC on this one, obviously Guffo's been going great guns, mate. Um, even people might try and be smart and put a VC on someone like Mike Acevo. And for the Roosters, you know, Teddy's always a bit of an option. They do come after the Panthers and Storm, so it is a week where... You can kind of alternate the VC and Cs between the guns early on. So you can certainly do a VC on Cleary, and if that doesn't work, maybe look at one of these guys. But I'm pretty loath on this one to put a C or a VC on anyone. Um, I think I want the VC action in the early games, and I don't think that I'm ballsy enough to captain a Tedesco his first game back against um, against the Eels. So I'm probably going to stay away from this one on the captaincy options. Yeah, I think anyone in this game, um, I'd be going for James Tedesco. Um, His last three scores against Parramatta are 63, 133, and 180. So um, he he seems to like Parramatta, but um, yeah, uh, just I guess based on the HIA, you'd probably stay away from it. So probably wouldn't want to captain anyone in this game. Yeah, I remember that 180-point Parramatta game. I was going, I was walking to a concert in the freezing cold. And it was, um, I'm trying to remember what it was. Might have been like an 80s metal band. I think it was like <laughs> Iced Earth. Yeah, I think I saw Iced Earth. It was a pretty bad concert. But um, I was walking in the cold trying to get to this concert and I was checking on my phone the whole time with my mate what the score was. And it was like Fergo try, Tedesco try, Fergo try, Tedesco try. And it was like a carve up by like 60 points or something. It was ridiculous. So it was a massive game. Yeah, and that was in 2018 when... A big hundred scores weren't so common, so like that was a big day for him. Oh, I've I've got a question just on Sam Walker. Is it crazy to consider leaving him out this week against Parramatta? I know um, he he's just scored really good over the last few weeks, but I've been so tempted to leave him out weeks here and there just just because his base isn't quite there, and without an attacking stat he could really go sub-20. Um, I think the goal-kicking really um, separates that low base, but um, it's very tempting. What do you think? Um, I think I, I understand why guys are looking at it. And there's actually been a few questions about it as well, um, you know, because Teddy's coming back. Do we end up playing Parramatta? Do we leave Sam Walker out? I think that it's too... I've said it a few times, and I think sometimes you can be a bit too clever where you know yep. you look at things a bit too much and you look into it a bit too much. And I think that's what this is. Like, yep. you ca- it's a guy that scored 167 points or whatever it was last week. You know, you, you can't... And he's he's also got, what, three 90-plus scores out of his five games or something. Like, he's, his yep. numbers are insane. Uh, there was a stat as well where, you know, I think the, the, leading, tr- the leading try assist player in the NRL is only one try assist ahead of where Sam Walker is. Yet Sam Walker has actually only played, has played three games less than what they have. You know, yeah. so on a per game basis, Sam Walker is far and away the best try assist player in the NRL. In his five game sample, he's averaging 3.2 try assists a game. And his scores are 81, 89, 21, 125, 163. You know, when you look at his numbers, I don't think you can leave him out of any matchup. 
you know, and the 21 was scored against the Storm. So, I mean, uh, I don't think you can leave him out of any matchup at the moment. He's just too good. And the try assists are just too easy for him. And then he has the goal kicking. So, yeah, definitely play him, I reckon. Yeah, that's fair. He's second best to Cleary at the moment as well. So, uh, well, better based on average. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's just something to think about that I thought I'd throw up. Yeah, I mean, it's. I understand why people are doing it because I mean, Parramatta is a good opposition, and if if the Roosters do cop a bad loss, like whether it's this week or another week, then Sam Walker very well could score another twenty. Um, but I guess that's kind yep. of the same as a lot of the guns, isn't it? Like you, you got to yeah. cop a twenty from some of the other, you know, poor, poor base guns. It's just you, you can't really pick when it is, so you can't just play them. Yeah, I guess you can't leave out someone who can get one hundred and sixty because they're the players you strive to strive to have. A friend of mine left him out last week for the one sixty seven. So, <laughs> so did Jake, the the other um uh, the other third of our podcast. He left out uh, <laughs> Laurie and Walker. I only scored like at one thousand and seventy. So, yeah, it's a bit of an ongoing joke that he um he always never has the really gun players. Like he didn't have Fafita when he absolutely went bonkers. Um, didn't have Tedesco at the start of the season. So. I'm surprised he's still ranked in the top 10,000. Yeah, well, that's one of the things with playing Sam Walker too. I don't think you can afford to cop that, you know, 167 type score because it's just going to, it just kills you. Like there's there's too many swings with these big scores and you just can't miss too many of them. Yeah, and uh, I mean, on top sport, it's a bit of a tough one because uh, the Roosters are at $2.54. Um, I think the Parramatta probably win though, and I'll even say that as a Roosters fan. But there's a bit of value there at the $2.54 and you could take the Roosters at plus 10 and a half and get a $1.47. I think that's going to be my bet. I'm going to give them plus 10 and a half. Yeah, I, I actually like the Roosters in this one. I think that they, yeah, I like the Roosters in this one. I can't explain why. I just like them. So Raiders-Knights is the next one. This is actually a big game. Um, these teams are really battling to be in the eight. Uh, so this is a real, you know, both teams have won three games this year. Coming into round nine, they really need to win this. So it's, it's actually going to be quite a big game for these teams. We've got big inclusions for the Raiders everywhere, uh, but it's still a lot out with Hodgson and Croker. Um, and for the Knights, uh, we've also got Blake Green out. So there's quite a few injuries that are going to be key for this one. But VCNC, the Raiders, normally you would have said, oh, look, that's a tough opposition. I'm going to stay away. But Kalen Ponga is so good and the Raiders have been so poor. I really think that he's quite an out-of-the-box option where you could look at Ponga this week. I like it. I saw Wilfred has Captain Ponga last week because uh, I've asked him in head-to-head and did not go well for him. So maybe he should double down this week and um, hopefully he gets the rewards out of that one. Yeah, Wil- Wilfred is a bit of a double or nothing type of guy. So I think that he will double down this week and I think he's going to go yeah, for it. I like it. Uh, the Knights, $2.65. Really big odds. So if you like an outside punt, um, you know, they're, they're big outsiders. It's probably a bit risky, but Bradman Best has only scored the one try this year. Now, we've spoken about that Canberra Raiders back line. It is pretty bad at the moment, and they're letting in quite a few tries, and Bradman Best is $2.84 on top sport <laughs> to score any time. Now, he's due. He is well and truly due for a try. So I'm, I'm going with Bradman Best. I think before this episode, I was. Bradman Best was a trading option, but I wasn't like 100% convinced. But I'm, I'm all in now. So Tigers and Gold Coast is the next one. 
this is a pretty interesting game too. I don't think there's any VC or C options on this one because all the the big teams kind of play later in the week. You know, the only later C option is probably Turbo, which is a bit of a shame because I mean, you know, you wouldn't mind throwing a VC on on a pod for some of these last few games, but you can't do it really. I don't think unless you own Turbo and are going him. Yeah. Um, no, I guess for for feeder is always an option. Oh, how do I forget about it? See, this is the thing. Super, super coach is so fleeting. You have a guy that lets you down for a week and you just forget all about him and throw him to the yeah, car. Exactly. Uh, well, uh, Feeder's a great option. Right? <laughs> I'm going to have to think about that now too. Would you go for, uh, for Feeder straight for... out C against the Tigers edge? I mean, he could absolutely kill it, couldn't he? Oh, definitely. But um, I've got the VC on him at the moment just for security, I guess. Um that could change to Cleary, but yeah, I, I think after a low week where actually he scored two tries last week that were disallowed. They weren't tries, mind you, but he was very close. Mm. Um, so yeah, he could come back this week with a try or two. I can't yeah. believe how many people were disappointed in, in him scoring 60s. Like <laughs> oh, no. I, had to, I had to tell Wilfred to shut up because I captained Teddy the week before <laughs> and I was like, mate, until you captain Teddy for a 10, you don't get to whinge about 65. Yeah, exactly. The Cowboys Broncos is the next one, and yep. who knows what either of these teams is going to do. I think it's pretty safe to say that we're not going to be captaining or vice captaining any of these guys, and I'm pretty sure that I haven't forgotten anyone either. But I do think that um, Valentine Holmes will carve up. Yeah, well, I was considering um, Holmes as a captain option, possibly, but I can't do it with the amount of good options there are. Yeah, it's a week where there is a lot of the big guns are real big options. So it's it's hard to go for maybe last week, like a Valentine Holmes in this matchup could have worked out really well because uh, I yep. think it was a bit of a harder week for captaincies. But but yep. this week, I don't think you can. Um, I, I'm going to say that you should just stay away from betting on this one because it's just these two teams. Oh, what do you think is going to happen here? It's a tough one, isn't it? I've, uh, I see the Cowboys coming back. Um, I and I see the Broncos going back to life um, that they, they had one good week. They're going to be awful again this week, probably, but I guess if they have two good weeks in a row, well then that's good for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, any good week in a row is good for them. So they already had their one yeah. good week. So yeah, I've just, it's just, a, it's going to be a good game for some super coach points maybe, but it's, it's a tough one to pick what's going to happen. The Seagulls warriors. Yep. This is a little bit less tough. I think uh, Tommy, Turbo is going to be a great option this week, and that's who you've got the C on. Oh yeah, no doubt. He he he's captain, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, I I'm really worried. Not only him, I, I think Turbo is going to be 125 plus type of guy this week. I'm I'm really worried about the type of big I, score he could. I up. guess the thing that worries me is if they're, let's say they're 18 up with 20 minutes to go, they're probably likely to rest him. Again, yeah, it probably will. I mean, I think the two things are the rest factor, but he's shown that he can still score a ton. If they're that far up, he's probably going to be very involved, so it probably won't matter. You're yep. probably still getting your hundred plus. But the other thing yep. as well is, I expect the Seagulls to win well. But I mentioned last week that people were getting carried away about how well they're going since Turbo came back because they haven't played great sides, and before that, they were really shit. Like they they were yeah. going really badly. And I don't mean to rub you know salt in the wound of a Seagulls <laughs> supporter, mate, but you weren't going yeah. well, and I think everybody's sort of forgotten about that. So the the other worry is there is chance that they do play poorly the Eagles, 
And the Warriors can be that grindy, won't go away, yep. deciding that this week they want to turn up and have a tough sort of game. Uh, and that could really dampen a lot of Supercoast spirits if you got Turbo C. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I, I see well where they do grind out a win, but I also see well where Manly run away with it. I think I'm more on the side of they they Manly maybe win by two or three tries, but um, yeah, it could go either way. Top sport bet of the week. I'm going to throw my support behind you, Savs. forty-seven <laughs> Sea Eagles. I'm, I'm all over that one. Oh, very nice. Last game, Dragons-Bulldogs. What a thriller to finish on. Absolute <laughs> pearler of a game to finish round nine. <laughs> Do you feel like they always make the last game of the round the worst one? Like, why can't we finish the week on a high? Yeah, I feel like it works out that way. I, I don't think they do it on purpose. I don't think they're smart enough to do it on purpose. But they're yeah. just, it, it all—it just seems to be too many of these games. And this is one where there is absolute—it's just a super coach graveyard. It's a betting graveyard. You just can't do anything with it. I, is there anything that excites you about the Dragons versus Bulldogs this week? There is nothing. There would have been if Zach Lomax wasn't injured, but. He's injured, so there's absolutely nothing in this game. I'm, I'm going to throw out a pod just to throw in there. We talked about Hooker being really tough. Ben Hunt isn't going to make the Queensland side, I reckon. Um, and he is Hooker eligible at 500k and was carving up. And he could carve up this week against the Bulldogs. I couldn't possibly buy him this week. Um, no. But he's going to be playing that buy. So he, he'd be on the watch list maybe to have a watch of him this week and see how he goes. But that's me trying to be positive about this game, mate, and trying to pluck some amount of positivity out of a matchup that I'm probably going to choose as my uh, wife game to miss because I'm not allowed to watch every single game every round sometimes. So I'll probably miss that one. Yeah, neither am I. <laughs> I'll, I'll choose that one. I'll, I'll, I'll go and spend time with her and tell her I'm missing missing the game for her and she'll feel really good about herself. <laughs> good stuff well mate, thanks for jumping on I know it was hard to fit, fit in with the schedules and everything but it was really good to have you on for a cameo on the All-Stars podcast and uh, wish you the best for your ranks in the season and anyone who's not listening to Supercoach Experience get on it Supercoach Experience fantastic podcast Sam's is great on it and him and Mikey have both been ranked um, top couple of hundred for big portions of the season in the last couple of years so they're great listen and a lot of fun no, thank you so much. I feel like you, you're the, the podcast that got us going or was going when we got going. So um, it's really good to jump on with you and be part of a podcast we listen to regularly. Cheers, mate. I might have to poach Mikey down the track and let him have a cameo as well then. Oh, he'll <laughs> he'll, he'll absolutely love it and he'll be much better value than I was. <laughs> ah, you're good value, Sabs. Don't under, undersell yourself, mate. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, you can download us or stream us as normal on either SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. And definitely follow us on NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And like we've said, Top Sport's a great partner of ours. If you're going to gamble, do so responsibly, but make sure you make an account with Top Sport. SC All Stars is your promo code to make sure they look after you. Good luck with the trades. This is a crazy, crazy, crazy round. I can't wait to see the results next week and chat to everyone about it. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.